Hey, listeners, welcome to our second mini-sode. Every now and then, you'll hear directly from us, your hosts, for a special series on our personal experiences and perspectives regarding rural health. And for today's topic, our own rural health care experiences. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. So, JJ, we both have pretty different experiences when it comes to rural health care. And in our last mini-sode, we talked about how the best care is local. Now, you grew up right here in Hillsdale. So your experience with the best care being local is the health care that's been provided in Hillsdale County, right? Well, that's correct. And, Rachel, for our listeners, uh, we should probably explain the age gap between you and I. Just just a little <laughs> one. I am 46 and you are? 19. Just no, kidding. Rachel. I'm 31. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we're going to talk about generational uh, access. And, you know, when we look at generations and we look at um, communities, rural and urban, um, you and I, of course, are from different generations and from different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm more rural and you're more urban in a sense. And you'll explain that in just a minute. Even though you didn't grow up in the, the lights in the city, in the downtown, right. you, know, you certainly had I grew up in a, in a suburb that was very right. close to a city and was also relatively affluent yeah. for the area. Yeah. So your experiences are going to be different than probably mm-hmm. most of our listeners who are listening that may be rural. But I want our listeners to hear your experiences because they could parallel some things and give us insight into that experience in healthcare. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my personal journey, yes, I am 46 years of age and I have grown up um, all of my life here in Hillsdale County primarily um, and have spent, you know, when when I was small, before I really had any cognitive development of where my surroundings were and to mm-hmm. know and understand those, you know, we lived in the the metro Detroit area. And originally, uh, you know, my family was from the Muncie, Indiana area in Indiana uh, proper. So, you know, coming to Hillsdale was uh, when I was just a young boy. Uh, my dad had moved uh, us here with my mom and uh, my dad had worked on the railroad, uh, having been shot down at the end of World War II in the Korean conflict. Uh, my father was a disabled veteran, but he got some work working on the railroads uh, as a mechanic. And so one of the uh, railways was in a town called Montpelier, Ohio. So uh, from Indiana to Michigan to Indiana to Ohio, Montpelier, uh, and then eventually uh, here to Hillsdale County, Michigan, uh, is really kind of the migration of the Hutcher family. And so, you know, my youth and all of my uh, remembrance is always based in rural county, mm-hmm. right, Hillsdale. And this is where I grew up. You know, I attended a, a county school, uh, public education, K through 12. I attended Hillsdale College, uh, again, in a rural county, right? Right. Even though the campus itself is like its own little world, uh, the county itself is obviously rural. And then later to get a master's degree in Ann Arbor. But through all of that, you know, my experiences are all relative to rural. Mm-hmm. And when I would hear my brother who went to Chicago, uh, he was a, a Navy v- uh, veteran and uh, spent his time in the Navy there and then stayed in Chicago afterwards and uh, sold some cars and gotten in, involved in in uh, some industries um, and would hear stories about access to a lot of things, mm-hmm. fancy restaurants, you know, uh, podiatry, because he had talked about a podiatrist. I'm like, what's a podiatrist? You know, as a kid <laughs> growing up and where are those? Who? are they? And, you know, just to hear about the access, you know, that you can walk in off of the street. So my experience is much different. You know, as a kid growing up, you know, I can share with our listeners that we were very poor, 
there were seven of us in our family. Now, my oldest brother had moved out before, you know, really I started coming of age. Mm -hmm. And so he moved out and stayed in the remote area of Hillsdale County. Um, And it was me and my my siblings. And we grew up in a very, you know, um, very poor community. We grew up in a very uh, poor environment. And my father just had had the disability Mm -hmm. from the veterans, and my mother was taking care of us kids. And so we understood the value. In one of our episodes, we heard about, uh, you know, detasseling corn, and we heard about combine season and baling hay. Mm -hmm. And one of our speakers talked about that. And I know all all too well uh, the value of hard work and having your dad come home and say, all right, the neighbor needs some help. And that meant you boys are going down there and you're going to take care of the the work that needs to be done in the, in the farming, um, whatever it is. And so we knew that value of hard work. Well, healthcare introduction to me, um, you know, I really didn't know it that well. Um, did not grow up, you know, going to the doctor regularly. Um, again, transportation. There were many times, Rachel, we didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. True story. Uh, even though my dad was a mechanic, right? I mean, plumbers, their their plumbing doesn't work, right? right and mechanics, right. their their cars don't run. So mm-hmm. my dad was a mechanic, and and we were, um, you know, many times without a vehicle, and so we relied on you know family members or my siblings if they could if they got a car, you know, to transport us and to take us around. But uh, this is not a woe is me story because there's a great success story here uh, right. that I'll share with you. But ultimately, you know, access to healthcare was very limited. You know, if and when we went to the doctor, you know, there had to be something pretty majorly wrong. And so my first introduction, I believe I was um, around 12 and I had cut my hand. So in the old farmhouse that we lived, okay, uh, is, you know, the old farmhouse windows, the double pane windows, Mm -hmm. the little blocks in them. And they're old. And the windows are hard to close. They're not like today's windows. Right. Now, you would have no experience of that, Rachel, because you have the comfort of nice windows. But <laughs> we didn't. You know, we had to open the window. Then you'd put a book there to, to keep it open or you'd put a curtain rod or you'd find a block or whatever it was. And we'd leave the windows open. Well, it was storming. And I had the duty of shutting the windows because course, there's no air conditioning. So shutting the windows in the summertime. And as I went to shut the window, my hand went through the glass and it cut my hand. Oh. And, you know, we didn't have, uh, you know, so, so my dad butterflied it, you know, mm-hmm. anybody that's listening to this knows growing up, you know, your dad took care of you by butterflying any of your, your wounds. And so he butterflied it and, you know, we, we took care of it. It wasn't like it was going to get infected or anything. And it was washed in, in detail. But, you know, a few days into it, we realized, all right, the kids got to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And so down the road from us uh, in the small community in which I grew up, uh, in Camden, Michigan, there was a country doctor. In fact, uh, this was my first introduction to a, to healthcare and to a country doctor. We went to a place where on one side was a country dentist and on the other side was a country doctor you know, operating independently. Now, ironically, Rachel, that same building, years later, uh, when I became an adult, I bought that building, not because of the great memories I had from it, because it was a great deal. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's small community, right? Right. Uh, so go to the go to the physician and he wore a cowboy hat, belt buckle that was huge. I remember this distinctively to the day he had on some jewelry, you know, kind of like it was just he was eccentric. He was just different. Uh, he sounds like a Texan. <laughs> he does. 
he actually I think he was. Uh, and I was going to say the cowboy hat and the buckle is kind of a dead giveaway. Yeah, I'm thinking that in the southern drawl, maybe. Yeah, was he wearing uh, ropers or boots of some kind? Yeah, well, he said "bless your heart" a lot, so I think yeah, that's a, probably south that's, of the Mason Dixon at south, least. South, south at least. So uh, that was my first introduction, and. You know, it was different, right? I mean, I, I had, you know, heard of physicians and you'd you'd think that you'd come in, they'd be wearing the white coats and they'd be a studious. And, you know, this guy was laid back. This guy was kind of funny. Uh, and and that was my first intro, scared at first and then realized that this is a pretty cool guy. And he took care of us. But, you know, when we think about access and you know, your story is going to be a little different. You know, we didn't have access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not readily available. We right. we weren't doing wellness checks, and we weren't engaged in that. And not any fault of my parents. We 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 were poor, and uh, you know, we had food uh, and we had you know shelter. And were there times where you know we didn't know where that food was coming from? Certainly, but we also weren't focused on healthcare and. Uh, sadly, you know, that is what faces our rural communities across America today, lack of access to health care. And, and I'm speaking from first person. I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And so part of my mission in accepting this job at Hillsdale uh, and never, ever dreaming that I would be involved in health care is to provide access into our communities. And one of our uh, episodes, we talked about all form of care as local and how we are taking to our communities our clinics, right? Right. Um, You know, that was a community clinic that I uh, went to. And, you know, in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, because of the way the DRGs was changing, the way the hospitals were getting paid, Mm -hmm. you know, the community clinics were a thing of the past. Now it was hospitals were no longer engaged in community clinics and physicians were having difficulties in keeping those local community clinics going because of reimbursement rates. And so they'd either Mm -hmm. sign on with a hospital or another system or they would move to a bigger area. And so rural communities suffered Mm -hmm. uh, as a result of that. And access to health care was prevented. Uh, for people who needed it because they didn't have the access. Right. Now, notwithstanding transportation issues because they didn't have cars mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, we do, there's certainly no public transportation right. in rural Still communities. Still an issue today. Still an issue here in our own rural community today. Um, so what we found is, uh, in my particular situation, is, you know, we went to the doctor when it was emergent or urgent. You went to the hospital when it was urgent or emergent, and I only remember coming to the hospital once uh, for throughout my throughout my youth and into young adulthood. But this is why we want to really uh, heightened the awareness uh, in this program about the importance of rural health. You know, when we started this program; it was to show the community in Hillsdale, the state of Michigan, and around the country, you know, the importance of rural health. And then you lose your rural hospitals, you lose access to your rural health care, which means poor outcomes for the people that live in those communities who do not have transportation, who can't get to their doctor's appointments, or who, you know, there's still a great number of people in our community, believe it or not, who are underinsured or uninsured still. Right. They have no insurance. Now, you can say, well, Medicaid expanded and you should have that in Michigan, JJ. No, there's still a population in our community. Now, notwithstanding the Amish community that we have a large population Mm -hmm. of in our community Mm -hmm. uh, who do not have health care, there's also still the poor among us who do not have access. And so to me, this job is a mission in that we can provide this care by going to those rural communities. So we can have an opportunity like I did as a very young kid that when it's needed, 
emergent or urgent, there is a local doctor in your community that you can go see. And so that was my early experiences. And not until, you know, my college years did I understand the value of, you know, maintenance of your health and mm-hmm. uh, exercise and, and regular checkups. But it took a long time uh, because our focus was on survival. Right. Our focus was on making it. You know, it wasn't on having the luxury of healthcare. Right. And, and so as a people, you know, we're blessed now as a family because we have uh, access to health care, right? And my children, you know, would have no knowledge about not having access to right. go to the dentist or to go to the doctor. And so um, those are the benefits that so many people take for granted. And when I reflect upon my brother uh, in Chicago who had access to health care and my family uh, throughout, you know, the United States who have quick access to health care, I think and reflect upon growing up as a kid, you know, that that privilege wasn't given to me uh, because we just didn't have the access. But today in our communities, that still exists and it breaks my heart Mm -hmm. to consider it. So we as a hospital, you know, have been engaged in this endeavor to take this uh, to the communities. And so we have a clinic now in Reading, Michigan. We have a clinic in Hillsdale, Michigan. We have a clinic in Litchfield, Michigan. We're starting clinics uh, in other places Mm -hmm. in this community that are very exciting. We're taking it to the community. We are because you have to. Right. You know, and we have to provide that access so that it's easy for them to get it. Now, the second component and one in which wasn't available when I was growing up, but, you know, the idea of having case managers or workers that would qualify and certify you for Medicaid or other mm-hmm. government programs. We didn't have that. Right. You know, we did have DHS back then, um, you know, Department of Human Services. And uh, we would say, you know, so- social services provided, you know, food stamps and they provided, you know, Medicaid for the population. You had to go and apply. And then every month you had to go up and get your food stamps. And then every month you had to go stand in line to get your cheese from the government supplement. You know, but but today, you know, we've made it much easier for individuals to get access to health care through the programs that we've launched here at the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, the Medicaid specialist that we work with and we have an agreement with uh, the fam- Family Independent Agency uh, for the state of Michigan, and we work with them very closely to provide this coverage. So if anybody does come in that's uninsured or underinsured, we can hook them up with a counselor to get their coverage they need. Because a lot mm-hmm. of the barriers today is individuals who sit at home like we did growing up saying we can't afford to go. Can't afford the copays. Right. Can't afford to do that. And so we don't want that to be a barrier for people uh, to not have good health. So, Rachel, that's my story. Now, uh, you have a different story. Why don't you share with our listeners your story in introduction to healthcare? Yeah. My, so it's interesting. Your story with rural healthcare really centers on access, and mine really centers on quality. So, I did, like I said, I grew up in a suburb of Dallas, Texas, um, a very Nice town. It grew very fast. So when I was born, there were about 20,000 people in McKinney. And by the time I graduated high school, it was well over 100,000. And when I was a sophomore in high school, it was the fastest growing city of its size in the country. And as you can imagine, that doesn't happen without uh, a growing economy, a solid economy. Um, So, you know, I had a lot of great experiences growing up. I had an incredible school district um, that I went to. And, you know, access to healthcare was never really anything that I worried about in my life. We had some periods of time. Fortunately, Yes, fortunately. It was nothing I ever had to even think about. I remember going to the doctor from a young age when I was three years old. I was in the bathtub sitting on my knees in the bathtub. I have no idea why. But my mom came <laughs> home from the store and came in to see me and my sister as we're getting our nightly bath time. And I'm like, hey, mom. And I'm all excited. 
and I slipped and busted my chin open. Oh, boy. And, you know, bleeding everywhere was clearly not going to be something that would heal on its own. So my parents put me in the car, and we went and went over to my parents' friend's house, who was a doctor who went to our church, to see if he could butterfly it and if it was going to be okay, just if he could do that. And he was like, oh, no, this is worse than that. You guys need to go to the ER. So I still remember the the, the only memory I have from that is laying on, you know, the bed or the stretcher yeah. or whatever. And there's this, some sort of kind of blue sort of mesh cloth over my face that had a hole in it where my chin was. Oh, my god. So goodness. that just my chin was what they were, you know, working on. And I'm sure my mom or my dad or somebody was holding my hand. So I still have a scar from that on my chin, but wow. I had stitches for a little while from that. But that's my earliest memory of yeah. healthcare of anything significant. And so, you know, I literally, my parents had a friend who they could take me to who was a physician. And then he could give us the advice that, no, you need to go go ahead and go to the ER. Yeah. So very fortunate that, that we were in that position. Um, but then throughout my life, you know, I, so back issues run in my family. My grandmother had really severe back issues. She also survived polio when she was young. So she, some of her issues were probably genetic that she passed on down to us. And then some of them were related to being post-polio because there were so few people who actually survived, survived it. it yeah. um, and so, you know, I started having my own back issues probably in high school, I would say. My high school didn't have lockers. It was built shortly after Columbine. So they didn't put lockers in because of the fear about guns and schools and things like that. So we had to carry our books on our back all day long. Um, so that might have contributed to it along with those, you know, kind of just genetic family history of back issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my grandmother, she lived in a very small town. After my granddad died, they moved from southeast – or she moved from southeast Texas to this little town um, to live in the house that was previously owned by my granddad's great aunt. Like my granddad's family, we owned this house since the 1920s. They had um, lived there It was the second house that his family had after immigrating to the United States from Mm -hmm. Europe. Mm -hmm. And so they had fixed it up and it had been kind of like a getaway home for the family for years and years. And then after granddad died, that's where grandmother wanted to live. She would go across the street to the Mm -hmm. Dairy Queen to Mm -hmm. the ladies coffee in the mornings and hang out with the girls. And, you know, that's where she wanted to be. And uh, in that little town, there was a country doctor named Dr. Dan. His dream in life was always to go be a country doctor. Um, And he really took such great care of her and helped her so much with the back pain that she struggled with. Um, And she had a lot of issues later. She ended up having a spinal fusion at one point um, in the later years in her life and and was on hospice care for pain management when she was older, even though she it was not hospice care for end of life or anything like that. Um, But, you know, so she had gotten a lot of help from Dr. Dan to the point that my dad, who still was living in a suburb of Dallas, my parents still live in my hometown, um, went to go see him. So that's about three hours from McKinney. Mm. And so he went to go see Dr. Dan to help him with his back pain. And Dr. Dan did does a form of acupuncture. Mm. It's not where they have all these different needles that you lay down and they stick all these needles in your body. He has one needle-like thing in his hand and he will go around. Is that the around. technical term, the clinical term? Yes, a needle-like thing. thing. I okay. think that's what they all call right. it. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, it almost looks like a pen, but it's got oh. a needle sticking out okay. of it. And so he will go and he will, I don't know exactly what he's doing, but it almost feels like he sticks it in and like tugs on a nerve because then when he pulls mm. it out, it's almost like you can feel that nerve settle back into your hand or your foot or whatever. Yeah. So we had done that for my dad and that helped my dad a lot. My dad had had a back surgery when I was a kid um, and then he ended up having another one just a couple years ago. Um, but so that helped him significantly. And so by this time I was, I think I was a junior in college And I decided to go spend spring break that year with my grandmother. 
and just hang out with her. And um, while I was there, she was like, well, you should go see Dr. Dan because of your back issues. Because I would wake up probably from my sophomore year in high school through this point, I would wake up every day and my back was already hurting. Really? So, yes. So I was probably taking ibuprofen almost on a daily basis for all that time. As a young person, you know, not not a good thing to have to do that all the time, right? That's not a solution. It isn't. Um, So she was like, you should come see Dr. Dan. So we made an appointment ahead of time so that I could go see him while I was there that week. And I'm telling you, we were in that waiting room. It was packed Mm -hmm. for probably an hour and a half. Oh, wow. Because of the people who were waiting to see Dr. Dan. Because he was that good. And he also was one of the few healthcare providers in this rural area in Texas. Sure. Um, So we waited to see him. And finally, we saw him. And I am someone who is afraid of needles, by the way. Had a very bad experience giving blood when I was 18. And ever since then, had been terrified of needles. So I was like, I can't believe I'm going to go in here and let this guy stick needles in my body. But I've got to do something about this pain. I'm too young to deal with this. Right. Right. So he did his acupuncture thing. And ever since then, there has not been a day that I have woken up with back pain. I can trigger it if I've done too much that day or whatever, but I don't wake up with it every day like I did before. So that made a huge impact on my life, and that was not healthcare I received in an urban or suburban area. That was in a rural area that I went to specifically for the quality of care that I could get from this guy who was a country doctor who dedicated his life and his career to working in a rural community. Mm -hmm. So it, to me, is a good demonstration of the fact that you know, and we know because of the stories we hear from our patients, but bigger is not better. You Absolutely. know, the quality of care cannot be determined by the location where it's being provided or by the number of patients that that physician may see because Absolutely. of the community that they're in. Absolutely right, Rachel. And I think that's an important point for our listeners today is that bigger doesn't equal better. Right. And we know that from a quality perspective, a cost containment perspective, as well as we can get a lot of things done if, as a oh, smaller yeah. institution in a very quick time frame. So absolutely. But your story and your experience is, uh, you know, a remarkable journey for you and a very positive experience that you had. But, you know, it started with a country doctor. It did. And, and how neat is that? You know, it really signifies the importance of our rural communities. So, you know, I'm going to ask you, Rachel, what, you know, what do you want our listeners to take away from that uh, today? You know, what what is, so we have this little mini-sode, but what is the takeaway? Yeah, I think the takeaway is that rural health care is critically important to the quality of life of people in our country, people everywhere, but not just rural Americans, judging by my experience, Um, But the quality and the access is so important and there are things that we can't lose sight of. And if any if COVID-19 has shown us anything Mm -hmm. about rural health care, it's that it is critically important and rural hospitals are critically important. And as a nation, we cannot afford to let hospitals continue closing like what we've seen since 2010 with the more than 130 rural hospitals that have closed and that we have to make this a focus, which is the whole point of our podcast is to create that awareness and advocate for rural health. And, you know, Rachel, for me, it's the arrogance of big systems that think they can come in, dismantle small rural health hospitals, uh, crop out those services to the mothership, as we call it, right. you know, hours and hours away. Could you imagine if you or I did not have access to that local provider, what the outcome could have been? 
Oh, yeah. Far greater uh, complications, uh, pain that would exist. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly taking ibuprofen long term over time is not good for your stomach. Right. I mean, in your case, it was minimal in, in that sense. Um, it was only for, you know, probably four or five years. Yeah. But can you imagine if I had gone long years term. and years and years yeah. of not being able to fix this issue? Because right. I had been to other doctors and it was just like, oh, well, you just need to, you know, don't carry heavy things. Yeah. Well, okay. okay that doesn't that... work for a kid. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, you know, I think the idea of having, you know, local rural health uh, not only sustains your local economy, which we've talked about on these episodes time and time again, that if your employer, uh, you're the largest employer in your community, and if you go out of business, you know, the jobs and the devastation to the community is just unimaginable. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, let's not forget the economy. Uh, let's flip on the other side. Let's let's not forget uh, about the patient's ability to heal, the patient's ability to have quick access to health care, as well as when you look at the full continuum of care, if you do not have access to health care, your well-being is impacted both right. psychologically and physically. Mm-hmm. And so bigger systems who want to come in and purchase small rural hospitals and, and get rid of those services – hurts our communities. All forms of that community health care is local. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for today's mini-sode. If you have a topic or issue that you want us to cover on a future mini-sode, shoot us an email at marketing at hillsdalehospital.com. You can also find Hillsdale Hospital on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As a reminder, we are collecting patient testimonials to be featured during our Voice of the Patient segment. If you have an experience to share about the positive impact you or your loved one has had as a patient at a rural hospital or healthcare provider, call our direct-to-voicemail line at 269-447-1265 or email marketing at hillsdalehospital.com and share your story with us. You just might be featured on a future episode of Rural Health Rising. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and tell others while they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes and more information or to share your patient or family testimonial with us, visit ruralhealthrising.com.